Welcome back, Leanne. It's so good to have you. And today we're going to talk about relationships, sexuality, and intimacy. Thank you, Julie. Lovely to be here with you again as my days in Bali come to a closure for this time around. And this is a topic I'm very passionate about, and I have been from a really early age. I remember as a young child sitting around the adult's table, sort of on the outskirts, but listening in. And they lived in a world, they said, money makes the world go round. But then when I observed their conversations, they're always talking about relationships mm -hmm. and relationships, the joys, the pain, the pleasure of them, whatever it was. And I'm like, I think they've got it the wrong way around. It's actually relationships that make our world go round. That <laughs> may include relationship with money, but it's actually relationships. So on my journey with life, I've always been in, I get as an explorer on in the field of relating. And, and this is, when I refer to relating, I'm referring to our relationship with ourselves, mm -hmm. our relationship with one another and our relationship with the environment. For there is no separation between them. And on this very deep journey that I've made unto myself over the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years, I've gone into the foundation of our relationship structure, what creates it, and therefore what informs the way we create. And what I've discovered is within ourselves in an individual, regardless of the vehicle we're walking in, if we're a man in the man's body or in a woman's body, we have a feminine and a masculine within. And our feminine learns how to behave, not by what our mother says, but what our mother does. Our masculine learns how to behave by what our father does rather than what he says, his presence or lack of. And their ability to relate within us, within our own masculine and feminine, within our own sacred union, it becomes a mirror to the relationship or lack of functional dysfunctional that our parents had. And that is our inheritance. And we are likely to attract similar and create similar relationships until we change the story, until we change the blueprint of the, the blueprint that is informing our reality that we inherited from our parents, from society and from our ancestral programming. And it's really extraordinary how directly this transformation can influence our current relationships when we do that work in the etheric blueprint that's informing us from the unconscious and you know in relationship when we hear those words you're just like your mother or you're just like your father <laughs> notice the contraction the trigger in it the chances are that's probably right and that means that we don't have to fix it externally or change our partner we actually need to look internally and and go deep into what that means to bring that template into coherence and this relationship within into unity. 
Yes, I feel um, I started my Tantra practitioner a year ago and I've been working a lot on uh, the masculine and the feminine. And it's really incredible when you work on yourself on the inside, how the the outside just changes automatically. It's not that we need to act outside. It's really about nurturing the inside of that masculine. And what happens is we are no longer looking for the wholeness or what we lacked or did not receive from our parents externally from us. Exactly. That's the most important imprinting we receive from our parents. One of the biggest keys from our mother is unconditional love. Hmm. Yes. The key of everything. Yeah. And it's sad how many people did not experience that. So many people imprint they got from their mother feminine template is love is conditional. Yes. And as long as we're imprinted with love as conditional, it will play out in our lives that love will be held or given on condition rather than love being infinite and unconditional. So that's a really important key from the mother that needs to be brought into um, the purity of love again. Yes. And the one from the masculine, the father template is being seen and acknowledged yes and if we were not or acknowledged by that influential male figure in our lives the chances are we're going to spend our life looking for it externally and you know social platforms are a prime example for that looking external approval and being influenced by the number of followers or the lack of in it So, yeah, they're really two very important keys. And if we can bring those two keys into the perfection within and seek looking for them externally, it changes our whole life. It's giving this to ourselves. Yeah. It's it's really giving it to ourselves. Absolutely. Mm. And there's some other really important pieces as we resolve that that masculine feminine template and the sacred union within. And these are chords, etheric chords. Because our cultures generally have not subscribed to rites of passage for way too long, these energetic chords were not cleared or released at certain ages and stages of the journey. And the they used to the first etheric cord if you imagine when a baby is birthed there's a physical umbilical cord that is either cut released ideally taken through a lotus birth where it dries up and drops off when it's ready and when that physical cord is complete there's an etheric cord an energetic cord between the mother and the child be that a girl baby or a boy baby, regardless, there's an etheric cord. Now, in previous timelines and lifetimes, way back when the cycles of our bodies and the earth and the sun and the moon were honored, these rites of passage were honored. And children would go through a rite of passage, the first one at seven years, when that etheric cord was released, that child at age seven was encouraged 
to follow their passion, their gifts and their skills, and apprentice to that person in the community, and given its first step into responsibility. So that was the age seven one. Next one, age 14, was usually around puberty. And that was where girls, when they reached adolescence and puberty, were taken into the red tent with the woman and taken on a rite of passage to become a woman, which is so precious, yeah. so powerful, and so deeply missing from our earth right yes. now. To really love, honour and cherish the moon time as a sacred time, the blood as a cleansing process. Yes. And that that connection to the planetary body as an absolute gift rather than a curse. Absolutely. To be restored deeply, to bring us in right relationship with our body and the earth. Yes. And it was also a time when young boys were apprenticed to the men's tent and they would go off into the wild, into nature with the men and step from boyhood into manhood. Mm. And without the yeah, go ahead. Yes, I often feel the need of, of going back to that tribal area where we would sit around the fire, you know, with the women or the men and, and share about relationships, intimacy and sexuality openly. Yes, it's so important. And it's one of, one of the reasons why many are being called to the, the traditional red road path again, mm -hmm. to, to remember themselves there. And without these rites of passage, we have children walking around in adult bodies who lack responsibility and lack emotional maturity. And they've also not learned how to source themselves energetically. So instead of sourcing themselves, coming from a, a space of self-sourcing sovereignty, they're unplugging from mother and into lover. <coughs> Sorry. And one lover into another lover or into many lovers. And when we have a lot of energetic cords that are attached and going out this way, our energy gets very scattered. Very, and we're very ungrounded. And we're dependent upon our energy by feeding off others rather than self-sourcing sovereignty, which is an infinite supply of energy between the earth and the cosmos. Mm. So it's a really, really important one that we go through that rite of passage with our mother, release the umbilical cords, come into sovereignty. Mm. And there's also a really another interesting one, particularly for girl children, female children, whose mother was there for her and whose father was the first God figure in in their world and it is very natural that a young pubescent girl will project her sexual energy onto her father figure it's it's actually really a natural occurrence but what's happened in our society doesn't know how to manage that and a father might have been open and loving to his daughter up until that time and all of a sudden, she's projecting her sexual energy. He's aware of it. Her projection is coming from innocence. And at the time when she needs her father most to say, I love you, you are beautiful, and I am here for you, and not to engage in the sexual energy, often the father doesn't know what to do. And he will abandon the space of fatherhood if he hasn't already abandoned it. 
He may engage energetically with the projection, which is unhealthy, or he may physically engage or somebody else in the family may physically or energetically engage with that projection. And either of those three create a wound or a trauma yeah. that, that it's not okay to be in my sexual life force energy. Yes. And again, this is something that needs to be solution if we want to attract, create, and maintain really healthy relationships with our partners. Yes. And there's a similar occurrence I've witnessed also in men, particularly men who have had solo mothers, and their mother's been mother and father to them, and they have become, um, their mother has often become emotionally dependent upon them. Mm -hmm and for intimacy and what happens is then you have a cord between the sex centers of the mother and the and the child's sex centers and and common behavioral patterns in young men is they will they'll become woman pleasers yes because of that imprinting they know to get what they want they've got to please their mother and it will make them on one hand, woman pleases, or sometimes and occasionally womanizes, but at the core of that is often a resentment towards them, which will play out in the unconscious. Yeah. And a lack of respect for them. So th these are some of the uh, creating awareness of some of the wounds we may have consciously or conscious, unconsciously that it helps to bring into resolution and coherence within and therefore without in our relationship. Yes, and, and this scatteredness, you can really feel it in, in today's society. Yeah. Lack of presence and lack of love. Yes. Being that unconditional love. <coughs> Absolutely. And don't show up I mean, with love. It transforms our lives. Yes. Don't you also feel like I, for example, I really believe in finding a life partner. My, I also had the example of my grandparents that were married for 65 years and really loved each other. But then my father and my mother separated when I was very young and my father got married three times. So we got, you know, thrown around for a bit, which was very different so um but I also feel like today there's so much choice and freedom and there is not the financial aspect of being you know the woman being linked to the man financially now she's actually independent so if you know something is not right anymore she she can actually provide for herself so do you think we are meant to find one mate for life or do are we like animals and do we change mates? <laughs> I feel sometimes some people we meet and we have a lesson to learn together and other people we meet and we travel around the world for six years together and, and it's also a kind of a marriage and, and other people we meet and we build a house together or we have a family but then eventually, it's very rare today to see couples go through all of these things together and still intimately be involved with each other. 
that's that's a a beautiful question and there's many layers to the response um and the aspect that you touched on um brought me back to awareness of the of the conversation we we're having when we have had um our parents have separated and we've been influenced by other men or women in result roles as stepmothers or fathers it's really important if we're with them for a period of time if they're influenced in our lives we go through and heal our resolve our masculine and feminine template with their influence as well although yes. we might not have biologically inherited the same ancestral imprinting as we did through our birth parents we will still inherit um cultural programming, religious programming, and structural interactions from the influential parents during our influential stages of growth. Mm -hmm. So that's an important awareness to have. And with regards to relating, you know, first and foremost is know that each soul walking a body on the earth at the moment is absolutely unique. Mm -hmm. It's so precious in that uniqueness that there is no set rule of thumb, black and white, on how we are here to relate, what we are here to relearn from relating, and the types of relationships that we might experience throughout our lifetime. So don't try and place your idea of perfection or what is necessary on what you see external from self. No that if you want to know your path and walk your path in internally and externally through your relationships, that the best guide you can have is your own soul. Mm -hmm, yeah. An example of this is I knew I was not here to mother my own children. It did not mean that I was not here to embody the mother archetype. I have mothered many. I've loved so many unconditionally, and I still do. But I wasn't meant to have my own children. I knew that from a very young age, regardless of what my cultural programming was. You know, you left school, got a job, got married, have children. It wasn't my role, and I knew that. And mm. I've walked that true to myself. Mm. And in that journey... I've explored different ways of relating hmm. from long-term monogamous relating into open reality uh, relating during my walk through the neo-tantra fields hmm. and dive into sexuality to understand the importance of sexuality through our embodiment. And I have learned from both yes. ends of the and everything that emerged in between. And I have learned from journeying with other individuals for I see relationship as a way to experience myself through somebody else. Mm -hmm. And fine tune my own truth, regardless of what they reflect or project upon me. Yeah. Relationships are everything. They're not all flowers and roses. I've experienced the flowers and roses and the sweetness and the power, the plain and the pleasure, and I've experienced the burning grounds. Mm. That In relationships that will burn away everything that is not true and not essential self. Mm. So what's important is how much love and presence we can bring to ourselves 
when we feel resonant to step into relating, how to create fields of agreement for relating, how to know how to dissolve and evolve relationship and when to, mm. and how to go about that. It all comes back to the purest form of intimacy with ourselves. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. There is no doubt why all our religious institutions emphasize know thyself. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> I love reflecting with you. <laughs> I love to be sharing this journey with you there Julie yeah there is so much conditioning and so many things also through religious religion and society of what we should do yeah there's many things that we've informed us. We've mentioned our mother masculine, our father, sorry, our mother feminine, our father masculine templates, that sacred union within. We've got all of everything that's unresolved in our ancestral lineage sits in our blueprint until it's resolved, mm -hmm. which a lot includes uh, religious indoctrination of separation from God, mm -hmm. that sex is a sin. Mm -hmm. other than a celebration of of creation yes life yeah it, and you know it's so important in many indigenous cultures there are not separate words between sexual energy and life force energy mm -hmm. in the english language but in indigenous cultures it's not so that means if we ever have any shame fear or guilt or trauma around our sexuality our life force energy is limited. Mm -hmm. If we misuse, abuse, repress, suppress our sexual energy, we're doing that to our life force energy. Yes. No? Actually, it's, it's uh, healing. It's, it's breath, it's sound, it's movement. How many people go for breathwork sessions and sound healing and and movement if you bring them all together and you combine it with heart-centered sexuality it's is it can be very healing oh yes and and it's really important to if we want to have freedom of sexual expression freedom of to be able to occupy our bodies and mm -hmm. be in our body time it does resolve do it does require doing some groundwork yes to actually unlock and unblock all the thought forms belief systems patterns of behavior and trauma that have lived limited full freedom of expression of our life force and creativity yes and really being more in the body and, and more in the feeling body than than in the mind very much and when we are in our body and deeply connected to this visceral animal body we find out that it's actually super intelligent mm -hmm. and and this body can help us navigate 
the murky waters of relating in Middle Earth because we can feel our way through. Absolutely. Our yes or our no doesn't, doesn't come from the mind alone. It comes from the body. It comes from a connection between our heart and our sexual center. Mm-hmm. And it comes from, from knowing ourselves mm-hmm. and how to communicate clearly and consciously our truth in each moment. Absolutely. I really feel that, that, that through this, we, we can heal also past traumas and just recenter our being from our center and into the universe. Very much so. You know, when I did my formal shamanic training years ago with the Four Winds, I remember the first piece I worked with was clearing my depression in my feminine lineage in my mother, my grandmother. And I sobbed tears for hours. In fact, six or eight hours I was sobbing and I felt so exhausted, but relieved and open and spacious at the end of it, that I knew something had shifted in my system and that whole matriarchal lineage. And I asked my teacher the next day, I said, okay, What comes when we've cleared out our conscious mind? She goes, then you start on the unconscious. What happens? She said, then then you start on the past lives. And I said, what happens then? And she said, there is no end. And when she said that, I knew it wasn't true because I could feel in my body, this is not true. (sighs) I didn't, but I knew that her truth was not my truth. And I just like, No, that was the first time I came to this planet. And I know that I can actually bring coherence to distortion and anything and everything that's required to reclaim my body, to gather all those pieces of consciousness that have been scattered through time, space, and dimension and lifetimes and bring them into the now. Yes. And it lit a fire within me, you know, what is possible when we do that? Yes. And then also you kind of reprogram your being. So what you're going to attract is that same kind of being. And then it's a whole other level of relating. Completely, because we're not no longer looking externally for our wholeness or our fulfillment. And rather we are stepping more into evolutionary relating. Mm-hmm. And that union with the divine And when we bring one and one together in self-sourcing sovereignty and union with divine and open ourselves to creation and say, how may we best serve our planet and humanity at this time? The possibilities are infinite. Mm -hmm. And intimacy also rises to a whole other level of energetically connecting with each other exactly and this is this comes back to your question of you know it depends what stage of your life you are on and that could be an age and stage of your life it can also be the evolution of consciousness of your soul embodied at this time and it can be intertwined with what's your purpose for being here 
So at different ages and stages and times and transformation in our lives, we will attract different relationships. Absolutely. And it all, it's really about listening to your own soul. Yeah. Listening yeah. To, through the body and through the heart and through the womb space, you know, these yeah. bodies are temples, sacred temples. And we are the gatekeepers and guardians of our own temples. Mm. So if we've had our boundaries bulldozed before, we're the one that has to create boundaries that make it safe to explore and play from a place of innocence again, from childlike wonder, yet no naivety. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for these beautiful insights on relating sexuality and intimacy. It's so inspiring. Um, is there anything you would like to add with the audience? Make your choices consciously. <laughs> and when you step in to any engagement, step in with both feet. Mm -hmm. All presence, all of your love. And know that if you're being called to be in whatever container for however many time, there's something to learn in there. Yes. So jump in fully, have your experience for as long as you're there to experience and always make time for the pause. Yes. As much as we talk about sound, breath and movement, the sacred pause is vital. Yes. We can drop into another layer, another depth, another height through pausing and also pauses at when we when we end relationships bringing them to closure is a whole new journey and vital too so that we don't have energy leaking afterwards and we pause to reflect and integrate and really digest what we've learned on the journey of life that's beautiful and if people would like to get in contact with you where can they find you you will find me at earthwalk.global and earthwalkschoolofevolution.global. And there will be a lot of downloadable shamanic sacred journeys, dramas, rites of passage you can do for yourself on that platform. Oh, wait. I can't wait. <laughs> well, I'm going to send you so much love. Mm -hmm. Mm, from Lily. Thank you. Receive gratitude from Ubud Bubble. <laughs>